Hey guys, and welcome to our next episode. Today we're going to talk about how to prioritize investments, aka the PEMDAS of investing. Does anyone remember PEMDAS? I do. I feel like I learned in sixth grade. I feel like, yeah, sixth grade, fifth grade, something like that. Um, but just to give a disclaimer, this episode is for when you are ready to start investing. We will not be covering debt payoff in this episode. Look forward to our upcoming episode on debt. That's right. So when it comes time for when you are looking to start investing, you might be asking yourself, where do I start? What kind of account should I invest in first? And what do I need to know to get started? So that's what we're covering in this episode. How do you prioritize your investments? Or as we like to call it, the investing order of operations. PEMDAS. So the first thing that you need to set up is your emergency fund. Before you can even think about investing, you really need to have an emergency fund that is there to cover any unexpected expenses, whether it's you know trip to an emergency room or traveling home for a funeral or your car breaks down, your furnace blows out, whatever it may be, you need an emergency fund. The general rule of thumb is that your emergency fund should be three to six months of expenses not income, but expenses of what you spend on a monthly basis to just upkeep your day-to-day life. Some people like to have a larger emergency fund, like 9 to 12 months. It really varies. If you have a house, a lot of people like having a bigger emergency fund because if your furnace blows out, that's, I don't know, how much are furnaces even? Like, I feel like in my head, a furnace is like $10,000. Yeah, I feel like if you don't have insurance and stuff, it can get pretty pretty up there. I'm looking it up. Oh, three thousand to seventy six hundred dollars. Seventy six hundred dollars. Oh my I know. gosh, I guess that's a lot. Oh, in my head, I was thinking seventy six thousand, but it's seven. Oh, seven thousand six hundred. <laughs> yeah, that's still a lot. Yeah, that's still a lot. Oh, it's still a lot. And like, imagine being a homeowner that may not be your only like emergency expense that month you know like there's so much that can go wrong if you're renting like Vatsa and I are we can air more on the three to six month emergency fund side however there's one caveat here if you are in the process of paying down high interest debt you may look more to having an emergency fund of one thousand dollars and then focusing on paying off debt as soon as you can before you fully fund that to three to six months. Why you might do this is because your debt grows exponentially with time. So the sooner you can start cutting down on your debt, the faster you will be to paying off your debt and the less money you will have to pay in the long run. Once you pay off high interest debt, then obviously you can start funding your full emergency fund of three to six months. But that's just a little caveat right there. And there's a couple of places you can hold your money in. High yield savings accounts are awesome. The definition of those is basically a savings account that gives you a higher interest rate. The reason they give you a higher interest rate is because typically these are done through online banks. And so, like, for example, Chase, like I can go in any branch, take out my money so easy. But if I were to do Discover, it's still an accredited bank, still like FIDC insured, all of that. But um, they don't have like physical locations where you can actually go. So because they don't have those overhead costs, they're able to offer you a higher interest rate. And that's also their incentive for making you go with them. So like, I like keeping my money there because it's accessible for when I need it, but it's not so accessible that I'm tempted to spend it. Another cool thing you could do is Yoda. 
It's an app. Um, I have a referral code, but you know, it's funny. Last time we talked about me being the queen of referrals, but I feel like I only get so far. So if anyone needs anything, <laughs> let me know. I'm trying to expand in that department. But Yoda is really cool too, because they've gamified saving. So for every $25 you have in your account, um, you, you get a lottery ticket and then each week there's a lottery and like you could get a range of five cents to 10 cents or, or, or like a Tesla, like so many different, different prizes. So I think it's cool. I think the concept is super interesting. They are FDIC insured. Um, and it's just like a cool product. Like I would love to come up with an idea like that, that just gamifies good saving spending habits. Um, I don't know. They're just really smart. And I'm like, I'm into it. I dig it. Yeah. I think gamifying savings is so fun. There's actually this other like startup. I think it's called Long Game Savings Incorporated. And they have a mobile app and they like give you rewards for saving money. I just saw it in the Wall Street Journal and it looks really cute and fun. The concept is that this app is like a game that you play and incentivizes you to save more money. And I don't know how it works, but I feel like that's the future, making like finances fun. Totally. One last thing about an emergency fund, a credit card is not a form of an emergency fund. You should never put money on your credit card that you are not able to pay off. So if you have an emergency come up and you need to spend $5,000, but you don't have $5,000 in your bank, do not put on your credit card. That will just snowball into way more debt. You don't want that. Additionally, your emergency fund should not be invested into the stock market or anything volatile like a HELOC. You really want to keep it in a very liquid place that is safe like a savings account. Hell yeah. So I think the next question is, what if I have credit card debt? Credit cards are generally, they have high interest rates, typically you know, 15 to 25% APR, and that's a pretty big deal. If this applies to you, you should definitely prioritize paying down your debt first because it can equate to a lot of money a smaller emergency fund of a thousand dollars or maybe one month of expenses is temporarily acceptable while paying off credit card debt or other debts with interest rates above 10 percent. so that's one thing to consider obviously having credit card debt isn't ideal but if you do have it like that's okay it's just a matter of having a plan on how to tackle it all right so that is the first step in your investing order of operations gotta have your emergency fund all right number two gotta max out your employer match baby the way i look at my employer match like that is the sexiest thing ever like it is like wow that is so beautiful and so incredible uh i could just compliment her so much (laughs) (laughs) and it's basically like getting a guaranteed 100 percent return on your investment because if you contribute 6% of your salary and your employer matches 6%, you're automatically doubling your money. That is a rate of return you like cannot turn down. It's too good. You got to max that baby out. Yeah, you do. And so once your emergency fund is set, the next step is to ensure you're contributing through your employer-sponsored retirement plan if available to you. So not everybody has this, but a lot of people have it to get any matching funds from your employer if they offer them. You know, and every employer offers a different amount. Um, For example, ours, I think typically a lot of the job offers I'd gotten out of college, like they were going up to 6%. 
um, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. to get any matching funds from your employer if they offer them is like, that's like, again, free money. The reason you do this before paying off high interest debt is that employer matching funds are risk-free, guaranteed returns on your investments at usually a higher rate than your debts. This step applies to any employer-sponsored account where the employer contributes money or matches contributions. Okay, so for example, if your employer offers 50% matching on the first 6% of your contributions to your 401k, you want to make sure you contribute at least 6% of your salary to take full advantage of the match. So they're giving you that 3% fully in your account for free. Instant 50% return on any investment is pretty good. And even some companies do 100% match, which is even better. And so be aware that 401k contributions come from your payroll deductions. So if you have a sum of money and you want to take advantage of the match, you need to increase your contribution percentage from your paycheck and use that lump sum for your expenses. So that being said, you're hopefully putting money into your employer retirement account to begin with, but that money will make the paycheck that goes to your checking and savings slightly smaller. But you have to think of it as it is automatically getting saved, right? This isn't money being spent. It's money that you are saving. Now, you may be wondering, what if I'm self-employed and I don't have an employer-sponsored plan? That's okay. You are actually in a really good spot to open up your own solo 401k or a simple IRA. Those are individual retirement accounts if you are self-employed. We can touch on those in another episode, but look at your brokerage's options of opening those up I know I use Vanguard a lot and I can call them at any point and they can help me open up whatever account I want. Another thing you may be wondering is what if my employer doesn't offer a match or what if I don't have an employer-sponsored retirement plan? That's okay. Not all employers offer one and it's just a reality. What you'll do is skip this step and move on to the next one, which is contribute to your HSA or your health savings account up to the employer match. I have an HSA and I know my employer will contribute up to like the first X amount of dollars. That again is a guaranteed 100% return on investment. So it's, you know, it's a no brainer to just like max that out. I know when I first opened up my HSA, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how awesome and like strategic an HSA is in that you can also set it up as just an investing account within itself and not just for you know, health expenses. I only did, I did above employer match, but I didn't know what I was doing. I'm lucky that younger Maeve actually like did the right move on maxing that out because I got free money just for contributing. The cool thing about HSAs is that they are triple tax advantage. You contribute pre-tax dollars and then within your HSA, you get to invest that money and it can grow, and you do not pay any taxes on the growth of your investment. And then whenever you want to withdraw money for a health expense, you don't pay taxes on withdrawing it either. So it's just like a no-brainer. It is like the coolest investing account ever. There are some strategies with HSAs to use them for non-health expenses, which I could do a whole episode on HSA strategy, but just know for now, you should definitely max out your HSA. Last thing about them, if you're worried about your money disappearing when you leave your employer, do not fret. You can roll over your HSA to your future employer's HSA 
or you can roll it over into your own HSA. I have a couple friends who have left our company and when they left, they actually rolled over their HSA to Fidelity's HSA. You can open up an HSA with whomever you want. I just know Fidelity has some low cost index funds that are pretty good looking and offer pretty good rates of return. So they like to invest there. Yeah. Yeah. And rolling over these accounts is not difficult. Um, We should actually, it'd be fun to make a video or a podcast and like literally go through the steps of rolling over if any of us, uh, if either of us change jobs anytime soon. And that is the third step in your investing order of operations. Contribute to your HSA up to the employer match. So your next step is your Roth IRA. Roth IRA is pretty cool. You can do a lot of things. Roth IRA, this is something you should absolutely stop putting off opening. And if you feel attacked by that statement, good, because this is definitely an at at you. So here are a few easy ways you can open one. You can open a Roth IRA in a robo-advisor, such as Wealthfront, Betterment, or LFS, and this could not be easier. Open an account, fill out a survey, put money in, that's it. Truly, it's just as easy as opening a savings account. And then the other thing about a Roth IRA is you can do it with a normal brokerage such as Fidelity or Vanguard and put in money in a target date fund. So if let's say you don't want to do a robo-advisor, you can do a target date fund. Target date funds are great because you can focus on just investing in one fund and it's balanced appropriately for your age. So if I'm 25, it will set up my aggressiveness of the portfolio based off of my age. So the younger you are, it'll be a little bit more aggressive. And as you get older, it gets a little bit safer. The only tough but still easy part of identifying the right target date fund for your age is literally figuring out your age. Lucky for you, Google can be very, very helpful with that. And so this is super easy. Most people can contribute $6,000 per year to a Roth IRA. And why I say most people is because there are income limits which means if you're balling out on a high salary, you may not be able to contribute the full 6K. Um, but if you're single making less than 125K as of last year, you don't have to worry about any of these. So above that, anything above that, you may not be able to contribute as much or potentially not at all, but definitely an option if you're under that number. And now hopefully you have no excuses. And um, if you open one after this, please leave a comment, send us a DM. We'd love to hear hear about this and and as always do your own research on the topic to figure out what's the best option for you so again this isn't financial advice none of the services that we've mentioned earlier are companies that i necessarily recommend but i think they're good options to explore and 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 look at right so just to reemphasize, number four best thing you could do after maxing out your employer match is contribute to your roth ira it's an awesome tax advantage retirement account and you can contribute after-tax dollars, typically up to $6,000 each calendar year. I think the coolest thing about Roth IRAs is that whatever you principally contribute of your own money, you can withdraw at any time without penalty. So another way to see it is that you're contributing after-tax dollars, and it is growing tax-free, but it's almost operating as like a savings account in that, you know, if something astronomically like horrible were to happen, you can withdraw your principal amount without penalty. I know also Vatsa and I, when we were looking to open up our Roth IRAs, I feel like this is like before we started researching so many different accounts, but we really wanted a robo-advisor 
because we wanted to be set it and forget it and for it to just be automated and be doing its thing without us having to do a single thing. So we opened up ours with Betterment and it was so easy. And you can just automate it to just automatically withdraw $500 from your account every month, put it in and you'll max it out by the end of the year. It's pretty cool. Number five on our order of operations, you got to max out the rest of your 401k slash whatever retirement plan you have. Really, the strategy that Butza and I are trying to get at is that before you start contributing to just any old brokerage like Acorns or Robinhood, whatever, you should be maxing out all of your tax advantage accounts. Why? Because there's so much tax savings to be had there that not maxing them out, you're really just leaving money on the table. What's really cool about your 401k employer-sponsored plan or non-employer-sponsored plan if you have a solo 401k is that there's no income limit. Unlike the Roth IRA that has an income limit that kind of phases you out after a while, with the 401k, you can contribute to it no matter what your income is. The 2022 limit for your 401k is $20,500, which does not include your employer match. So if your employer is going to contribute $10,000 to your 401k, it doesn't mean that you can only contribute $10,500. You can still contribute that full $20,500 and then your employer would tack on an extra $10,000 beyond the limit, which is super cool. If you are looking for some low-cost index funds and you see that your 401k plan doesn't really offer anything that's low-cost, which to me, low-cost is anything with an expense ratio below 0.75%. Yes. If there's only things 1% or above, that's not super cool i feel like things once one percent or above honestly i feel like they're kind of thieves i'm just gonna say it one percent and above you're getting robbed yeah it is robbery yeah anything above one percent is really one percent or above is really just robbery over the long term having a one percent expense ratio is really just inhibiting the potential growth you could have so Anyway, if your 401k plan does not have anything really setting you up for success because of the horrible expense ratios, do not fret. You can still invest in your employer-sponsored 401k or whatever plan you have. And then when you leave that employer, you can look to roll over your 401k into your future employer's 401k, or you can look to roll it over into a traditional IRA. With the traditional IRA, you will have more control of what you invest it in. So if you open up your traditional IRA with like Vanguard, you're going to have access to all of Vanguard's low-cost index funds. If your future employer has a way better 401k plan, it might be in your best interest to just roll over your old plan with a high expense ratio into your new plan with the cheaper fees. So don't fret. You know, your 401k is still tax advantage and it's still a good idea to invest in it. Don't let the high expense ratios daunt you at all. You can always roll it over whenever you want. So that is our fifth step in our investing order of operations. Max out the rest of your employer-sponsored or non-employer-sponsored retirement plan. Number six, save towards your other goals. If you don't know what those goals are, send extra cash to your brokerage account and invest in low-cost index funds that track the total market or S&P 500. And honestly, some of these goals can be anything like I know a big future expense is probably going to be a wedding or a house or 
maybe even a vacation like start saving money and then you know two three years your money's grown hopefully and then you can use that money that you made passively to go to bali or somewhere bougie yes um (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's really good that you know when you look down the next 10 years try to identify upcoming costs like a wedding or if you want to have the trip of a lifetime and you know travel around Europe for six months you should look to start saving towards that yeah and these goals don't have to be your traditional goals they can be whatever the heck you want to do like I know there are so many things I want to do and that's the other thing. It's like you shouldn't feel limited by society or anything. But at the end of the day, if you have extra money, extra discretionary income after you've saved up for retirement and all these other important things, then you're more likely enabling yourself to be that person who can just sell everything and then go sailing for however many years and raise your kid on a boat. Like, if you can't tell, I've thought about this a lot the past weeks. <laughs> I feel like it'd be expensive to raise a kid on a boat. Or maybe it wouldn't be. I mean, I just want to live on a boat in Jamaica or something and just, you yeah. know, do my thing. Like, that sounds so appealing to me. But if you ask some other people, they'd probably be like, you're not allowed to go. <laughs> I.e. my mom. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to mow a lawn when you have a boat, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I know for me, but with the leftover income I have after I've maxed out all my tax advantage accounts... I put some of it in savings for future travel. So I'm actually going to Portugal for like two weeks. So for the months prior to me leaving before Portugal or before me having to buy my ticket to Portugal, I started setting aside extra money and I have this like um, extra savings account called FU Money. And I just put money in there for when I know I'm going to have a big expense coming up. Even like Christmas presents, I'll put an extra like $100 paycheck for a couple of paychecks before Christmas and it kind of covers things. And then with whatever income I have left over or if I don't have an immediate goal that I'm saving for, I just send all my extra money to Vanguard. I'm a VT Saks and Chill girl. I just throw in VT Saks. I'm like, see ya. But you can do whatever you want. I also know if you have an Ally savings account, they have this cute little feature called buckets and within your savings account, you can make a bucket and you can name it different things like new car fund or travel fund or get a dog in the future fund. Yeah. Or a cat. Or a cat. Yeah. I'm a cat lady. So I'd probably get another cat. Maeve has the cutest cat and he is our assistant man- assistant producer. Tofu is our assistant producer. We love Tofu. He likes live podcasts, you know? He has, like, refined taste. Yeah. The ROI of getting a cat has been, like, exponential for me. Exactly why everybody should have a cat or dog fund if that is something that appeals to them. A hundred percent. I would love to get a corgi, but we'll see if that day ever comes. I literally walk around New York City and just videotape a bunch of corgis that I see. It's fantastic. Yeah, there are a lot of corgis in New York. I think it's a, like a popular like Instagrammable dog, you know. And they're like small, but not like too small. It's like they're thick butts, you know. Yeah, they're like New York sized. Yes, I love them. Do you have any savings goals that you're saving up for? So one thing we didn't talk about: if your employer offers it, your employee share purchase program. 
I would say that is one of my few brokerage accounts and that's like my pretty big savings bucket like I I literally need my company to go to the moon because that'll help me (laughs) but we'll see if that happens yeah so I I would say that that's like a pretty big savings bucket for me and like between I, I have all these different goals right like one is vacation one is potentially a wedding if I get married a house for sure so all of these things are slowly in little little buckets I had some money in crypto we'll see we're recording this on mid-July. Let's see what happens with Celsius. I hope I don't lose all that money. Um, if I did. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Maybe we'll cut this part out because it's a little bit of a sob story. But but uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of little buckets, lots of little things. Uh, but there's just so much to do in life, right? The last thing I want to be worried about is if I have the m- money to do those things. I never want money to be a limiting factor for anything. You know, God forbid health or something is, but, you know. This is one thing I feel like I can plan for and avoid and work towards. I know, but so you're saying like travel is really big for you. Yeah, I love to travel. Me too. And especially like while we're young, I want to travel as much as I can. So I feel like I'm always keeping my like travel fun pretty, pretty fat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Both of us, we're recording this trip and both of us are taking trips one after another. So we're like big points girls too. Yeah, I know. I I think I've taken like three or four trips now that were just completely free because I use points. Yeah, like the one you came and visited me in New York. Yeah, yeah, I went to New York. I've been to Austin. I've been to Atlanta. I was going to do Portugal with points, but then I just paid for it with my travel fund, you know, but now I get to use those points for, like, visiting you again. Yeah, absolutely. I know you said you were saving up for a wedding, and weddings are so much more expensive than you'd think. So Okay, but also brown weddings are so much more expensive. Like thinking about it, I just want to elope. But again Yeah, and the average like price of weddings is like only going up. And then put inflation on top of it, we're just like screwed out here. Like we're never gonna see lower rates again. I have not even started saving for a wedding. I mean, my ESPP is effectively my wedding fund. I feel like I always say that because it is so true. Like, I, yeah, that's the only way I'm going to be able to pay for it if it ends up being a big fat Indian wedding. But I don't even want it to be a big fat Indian wedding, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm just preparing for the worst, you know? Yeah, you gotta. Before I was even, like, maxing out all my tax advantage accounts, I was trying to save up so much money in my savings account because I was like, I need to buy a house as soon as possible. And my mind has kind of, like, changed since then. And I'm like, eh, I kind of don't want a house right now. I don't want to be tied down anywhere. But my savings account was getting fat at one point because I was like, I, I need to get a house. Then the pandemic hit, and I just dropped all that money into the market. Hey. I know. And it really paid off. But I dropped all my money in the market in, like, May 2020 when, you know, the market was rebounding a bit, which is fine. I'm so up from it. But... I'm like, oh, I should have invested all of it on, like, March 16th, 2020, you know. I know, but all, all that day, but I think things are coming back down, so. Yeah. All right, guys, that brings our six points to a conclusion. Just to review what we talked about, your PEMDAS or your order of operations is, one, emergency fund, two, max out your employer match, three, contribute to your HSA to get your and get your full employer match if they offer it, four, Max out your Roth IRA, five, max out your 401k, and then six, save money towards other goals. And again, this is just a recommendation. It's not hard and fast. Let's say you have other goals that maybe 
are a priority over maxing out your 401k, by all means, do that. Um, again, this is just a template. Everyone is different. Don't feel pressured to follow each and everything to the T because, frankly, that's just not how finances work. 100%. Yeah, none of this is official advice on investing. This is just our kind of take on how you should prioritize. And depending on what your goal is, if you're trying to build a business or you're trying to retire early, your goals may shift and you may switch around your order of operations and that's totally fine. This is just our hot take and you can take with it what you want. Thanks for listening. Let's get rich together because we're hashtag gals getting rich. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating, a follow. And review. And please review. review our podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next time. Till next time. Bye.